welcome welcome to the spirit soul series podcast and today we are going to continue the we are going to start a new chapter i think the eighth chapter yes. right yes eighth yes chapter yes. so uh, so thank you for coming on spirit ji again and your no, extensive knowledge of the yeah gita will definitely illuminate uh, all of us thank you kanan yeah. it's uh, a pleasure to be back every week thanks to your diligence and your able to accommodate despite your schedule um, it's all just, it's all because it, yeah it's all because of the the wonderful conversation uh, that we have so that 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 brings me back and we're talking about this now sure sure okay. and it's uh, and also jesh sila prabhupada and hari krishna sila prabhupada yeah is uh, in in this chapter 8 it, it's again like remember we talked about how starting from chapter 7 uh, we are getting into the heart of the bhagavad gita uh, and like the analogy of the book that the first six chapters that give information about karma uh, that's like the outer cover of the book the last six chapters from 12 to 18 that give information about gyan about the world in general and how things work that's like the back cover and the real meat of it or the real substance is inside the middle six chapters and it's also like a jewel case with the top lid and the lower half and the jewels inside now chapter 7 itself was like that because we got this we were told uh, of the four types of people who the four types who do turn to krishna and the four types who don't turn to krishna so we could place ourselves now in chapter 8 uh, like you see the title so, attaining look at the, the look at the the first question itself is like what is brahman <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's right yeah uh, arjuna is inquiring yeah but uh, if you if once we get past these uh, yeah. questions with the technical names uh, this whole chapter attaining the supreme is about uh, uh, the final moments in a person's life and how one must prepare for it and how plan for it and how even if it comes suddenly and basically how important they are in uh, determining our next destination so attaining the supreme here means in an ultimate and final sense how to get back home and get back to him what we need to do or at least to be aware of to attain the supreme so in chapter 7 it was about turning to the supreme turning in that direction after many lifetimes you know in different different bodies the jiva with the um, the super soul sitting next to him like two birds on a tree finally certain things happen either you're in distress or your lack of wealth or your inquisitive or you really want knowledge of the supreme or a combination of these and then you turn to the supreme but here it is attaining the supreme so this is really meaning in a lasting sense in the way of um atamil and we have so many other examples the the bhagavatam gives us to caution us and to inspire us so uh, attaining the supreme here is telling us categorically uh, the after uh, krishna has answered a few questions from arjuna uh, important the information and the like the distinctions they make but starting from about text 5 6 text 7 text they are completely about uh, ha, at the antakale or in the final moments a prayana kale these are the terms that come prayana really means the journey and here they are talking about the journey of the departure of the soul the journey of the soul across bodies telling us categorically that depending on your mental state or your consciousness and what you focus your mind on in the final stage uh, that is going to determine your next destination or the next body you get in the next set of circumstances you get and just like in a, a exam if there is an exam coming 
and you don't study at all during the year as the course is being completed and suddenly the date of the exam is announced and you sit and mug and study you still it's extremely unlikely you're going to do well some fluke some stroke of luck you may get through so similarly life's final exam is uh, this test that comes at the end it can come without uh, much prior warning or if you are fortunate enough to be long lived then all the signs are there old age and disease set in and you have repeated you know you're rushed to the hospital a few times and then so on and finally the soul makes its departure so here uh, that is it is giving us fascinating information in the verses we are going to look at today which is i think we'll only be able to do first first 7 8 verses or first 10 maximum but in the later part of this chapter you even it told depending on the time of the day and the time of the year and which part of the month the bright half or the uh, the dark half according to the moon's movement the waxing and waning of the moon when you make your departure where you are going to go are you going to go upwards are you going to go downwards are you going to come back to the middle planets this all really spelt out here for us the first so first uh, we look at what arjuna is asking arjuna inquired so would you like to read that the first one uh, yeah. so arjuna inquired oh my lord o supreme person what is brahman what is the self what are fluidal activities what is this material manifestation and what are the demigods please explain this to me okay so here if you just we look at the sanskrit of the verse kim tat brahma remember you were talking a little earlier about an exchange you were having with a friend of yours and kim tat brahma so uh, here kim adhyatma kim karma karma we've heard so many times it can't be difficult and then what is adi bhutam and what is adi daivam so here brahma this is a crucial point about all scripture the same word especially certain crucial words can have different meanings according to the context in which it's used so atma which we usually refer to to talk about the soul can also mean the mind it can also mean the body and in exceptional cases it can mean the senses so one has to have follow the purport and follow the commentaries and the translation carefully to understand what's been referred to here so similarly brahma normally we say aham brahmasmi it means that we are spirits so we are spiritual i am spirit soul brahma as in the foremost of the demigods and the brahma loka and so on that someone else we talked about and brahma can also mean the supreme lord himself basically because then we are actually talking about para brahma depending on the language in malayalam it will end with an n here it is brahma so here also brahma there it says brahman kim tat brahma kim adhyatma so brahma and atma we are taking care of the kim adhyatma here adhyatma uh, uh, actually refers to a swabhav or a spiritual nature uh, and adi bhutam refers to just the material nature adi daivam refers to the universal form so instead of getting caught up in all these technical details uh, we should just uh, let us focus on adi daivam or here of course the word for word translation is given as the demigods but later when you follow the purport and the commentaries uh, you would see that the demigods are all placed within the universal form uh, 
and they are part of the lord's body and they are part the lord's body himself uh, it's like the, in the bigger picture they are departmental heads and they have different duties to do so uh, here uh, again brahma as i said here it says brahman adhyatma adhyatma the self karma fruitive activities karma also can mean action or it can mean reactions that you are getting fruitive activities actually mean actions your prescribed duties according to your nature but karma is often also used to talk about the reaction that you are getting for actions that you have already done purushottam supreme person adi bhutam the material nature or the material manifestation and finally adi daivam transitive here as demigods but universal form let's just look at what the purport has to say uh, can you please read it's a short Uh, two paragraphs in this chapter yeah yeah okay. uh, so in this chapter lord krishna answers different questions from arjuna beginning with what is brahman the lord also explains karma devotional service and yoga principles and devotional service in its pure form the shrimad bhagavatam explains the supreme attribute of god as brahman parmatma and bhagwan in addition the living entity the individual soul is also called brahman Arjuna also inquires about atma which refers to the body soul and mind according to the vedic dictionary atma refers to the mind soul body and sensual organs so the context is important otherwise we can miss the meaning it has different meanings in different circumstances yeah arjuna and arjuna has addressed the supreme lord as purushottama supreme person which means that he was putting these questions not simply to a friend but to the supreme person knowing him to be the supreme authority able to give definitive answer All right. Now, in the very second verse, the remaining two questions also get asked, and then the answers start coming from Sri Bhagwan from from the third verse. Look at the second mm-hmm. verse. Second yeah. verse. Yeah. So, second uh, verse is who who is the Lord of Sacrifice, and how does he live in the body? Oh, my Sudana, and how can those engaged in devotional service know you at the time of death? Okay, who is the Lord of Sacrifice? That's really coming straight from the Sanskrit in that verse, Adi Yajna. So you know, Yajna or Yajna is sacrifice. Adi, the Lord, the the highest and the root of all the sacrifices. It's a reference to God Himself, to the Supreme Lord. Katham Kotra Dehes Min Madhusudana. How does the Supreme Lord actually live within this body? Prayana Kalicha Katham Nyayo Nyatatma Bhi. This last question: How are those engaged in devotional service to know you at the time of death? Is uh, the most important of all these questions. I guess prayana kali. Uh, the prayana kali actually means at the time of death. But I was listening to a lecture where prayana also means the journey. When the journey. So here the journey is referring to the journey of the soul at the time of departure when the soul has to exit the body. So. Uh, the last question is what Krishna of course answers the other questions, but the last question is what he picks up and he elaborates on in uh, verses five and six. So here, why are we being told about the universal form, or we have already heard about the universal form in in the Bhagavatam? We will hear about it in chapter uh, in the in the coming uh, chapters in chapter ten. You will uh, we heard it mentioned the universal form earlier. So, what is a universal form? It is a conceptual device for a neophyte. It is a conceptual tool because it means that for a neophyte, if they are very have a sense of God and of the power of God and have some awe and reverence, 
when they see the power of nature around them that for them to make the connection with an actual supreme lord the lord has very kindly given us this conceptual device or tool of the universal form of the virata rupa which actually displays to arjuna later where wherein different aspects of nature are to be seen in this his jain form therefore the bones are, the mountains that we see around us are his bones and the rivers that we may get attracted to or we see torrential rainfall and the rivers cascading are meant to be like the veins in his body the trees are his hair the sun and moon if you like a sunset and sunrise or you like the moon at night uh, you somewhere if someone tells you that the sun and the moon are actually the two eyes of the supreme lord for a new fight it helps him or her get started on uh, identifying that power that he senses or that he is in awe of with a supreme person so that's the reason for the universal form uh, and uh, the rest of it as i said karma we have already discussed many times uh, we the adi yagya that's the lord of sacrifice okay that's an important clarification coming in the purport of the second verse purport to the second verse if you read here lord of sacrifice yeah. Yeah. Lord of Sacrifice may refer to either Indra or Vishnu. Vishnu is the chief of the primal demigods including Brahma and Shiva. And Indra is the chief of the administrative demigods. Both Indra and Vishnu are worshipped by Yagna performance. But here Arjuna asks who is actually the lord of Yagna and how the lord is residing within the body of the living entity. Okay. So uh, Indra is uh in charge of a whole set of demigods but he indra has no control over shiva and brahma shiva and brahma in another they are primal demigods and they are directly under vishnu so therefore it's like to clarify in case there is some confusion between indra and the position of indra and the position of vishnu or krishna that uh, this question is asked and clearly the lord of sacrifice or adi yagna is very much krishna himself Arjuna addresses the lord as Madhusudan because Krishna once killed a demon called Madhu and whenever uh, whenever Arjuna is confused and has lots of doubts he uses this term it's like uh, making a request that just as he killed the demon Madhu could he kindly kill the demonic or the doubts that keeps bringing up in his mind that that's the connection Now the last paragraph here for this verse if you like to read now the word prayanakale yeah. uh, now the word prayanakale in this verse is very significant because whatever we do in life will be tested at, at the time of death arjuna is very anxious to know of those who are constantly engaged in krishna consciousness what should be their position at the final moment at that final moment at the time of death all the bodily functions are disrupted and the mind is not in a proper condition thus disturbed by the body situation one may not be able to remember the supreme lord maharaj kulshekra a great devotee prays my dear lord uh, just now i am quite uh, quite healthy and it is better that i die immediately so that the swan of my mind can seek entrance at the stem of your lotus feet the metaphor is used because a swan a bird of the water takes pleasure in digging into the lotus flower its sporting proclivity is to enter the lotus flower maharaj kulshekra says to the lord Now my mind is undisturbed and I'm quite happy. If I die immediately thinking of your lotus feet, then I'm sure that my performance of your devotion service will come properly. But if I have to wait for my natural death, then I do not know what will happen. 
because the, at that time or at, the, at that time the bodily functions will be disrupted my throat will be choked up and i do not know whether i should be able to chant your name but let me die immediately arjuna arjuna asked how how person can fix his mind on krishna so to speak at that time okay so here um this extraordinary prayer by kulashekar he is being referred to as maharaj kulashekar understand this is the alvar saint kulashekar alvar so great is his devotion that he is making this extraordinary prayer that he wants his mind to get entangled in the lotus feet uh, at the lotus feet of the supreme lord in the same way that a swan which has a very long neck it has a particular way of moving its neck and it's big to hunt out uh, different creatures that it can find for it and it said that it hunts at the base of the lotus plant because there is some special sweet tasting fluid or liquid it can suck out so the way its head gets entangled amongst the thick stems which go under water of the lotus stem similarly uh, kulashekar alvar is asking for the same thing to happen to him uh, to for, to his mind Uh, in so that he can die remembering the lord in fact he is literally asking for his death to be fast forwarded or postponed because now he is see how realistic this prayer is i don't know from which period this is coming how many years ago that at the time of mm. death uh, there will be so many impediments or obstacles and if you've been with elderly people dying passing away you realize this like a death rattle you know the phlegm keeps of course you've had a grandmother living with you who passed away after a lot of illness so you must know uh, it is so it, there are so many obstacles that it's very difficult to bring the mind to rest on the lord really very difficult so then uh, the question arises what happens to those uh, how, how then to prepare for this that's why it's called the final exam or the final test because if you have made it your business to always again and again bring your mind back to the supreme lord or to think about the supreme lord no matter what you might be doing then at the time of death automatically like a reflex action the mind will go back even if there are so many obstacles and so much suffering and misery now there are cautionary tales that we are told like uh, for example like kulashekar alvar we remember ajamil the story of ajami mm. the bhagavatam the story of bharat maharaj in the bhagavatam because he failed to think of the lord at the time of his death and instead thought with affection of the deer he ended up in the body of a deer so it really means that what you think of with great attachment in that miserable condition with phlegm and mucus it may not you may not have much thoughts of affection you know but still the attachment these strong bonds of attachment so the trick is it seems to develop and keep on developing those strong bonds of attachment to the lord because then that pulls you somehow no matter what mistakes you get back towards yeah the- because uh, what happens very easily is that the mind like like you may be into the practice and you you'll be doing it for a while and then after some time like you know your mind can get very easily disturbed by even a very a very small thing and like the i so it's like um uh, you know the importance i think the importance is that you're always thinking about about your death like everything is like leading up to that like you know as we say end game like you know they say the word end game it's all leading yeah, yeah. up to the end game the uh, the end of your life where when you're 
uh, when you're about to die, what is the thought that you're going to have at the time of death? Is it going to be about Krishna or what? Whatever is it like? It's always said in the Gita that whatever you think in the end of your whatever your last thoughts are, you that's where you will go to like ultimately. So if you if you like, but but it's it's a very easy thing like you know okay like you know uh, so that means that you know a lot of people will may take that and say that okay I'll live my life like this and then when the, when the time of death is supposed to come then I'll just tell somebody that okay just remind me to think of Krishna now. But that doesn't work that way because even if somebody told you also, your mind will again get distracted immediately because Correct. you haven't practiced. You haven't practiced the mind to think of Krishna at the time of death. Your mind is like it's it's full of other things, and then when the time of death comes, there's so much of like regret and um, like oh I should have said this, I should have said that, I should have done this, I should have done that. And then you know uh, you realize that you you may not have like focused on the right thing, like you know. The regret uh, is very yeah. Uh, you you hit yeah. it. You hit the right on the nail on the head. This regret is a very powerful emotion in end of life situations, and unfortunately, it's a great impediment uh, towards thinking of your Ishta Devata or of or the Supreme Lord. Regret definitely. Now some people might argue those who studied the Bhagavatam and who have been practicing devotees may say, "Well, look at Ajamil. You know, initially he was a devotee, but then he got completely captivated by this prostitute and cohabited with her and had so many children and so on. And then when the Yamadutas come for him, uh, he, he remembers his son of the same. At least he had the uh, the foresight to name, name. youngest son. Name I think. Son, yeah, Narayan. Narayan. Yeah. So the counter argument that's given is he did not go back immediately to Godhead just because he called mm. the Narayan name. He the yes it is true the Yamadutas packed up and went back, but the Vishnu Dutas also went back, and he was given a second chance. He was given another twelve years of life to perfect his bhakti, and in one sense to undo whatever he had done wrong earlier. And not only that, it seems that earlier when he was as uh, a proper devotee of the lord he used to chant the name of the lord with great affection not in a ritualistic way not with the hope that it can counteract his karma get him rewards not in that mentality with pure affection and ultimately when the yamadutas come for him and he wakes up to his plight he uh, again chants the name of the lord with great helplessness so both these sentiments are apparently are rare therefore they warranty that he gets the guarantee that he gets a second chance but it's important to remember that it's not as if he straight away went back to the planet of the lord he was given a second chance he was given 12 more years to perfect his bhakti so that even that is a rare case and as you correctly pointed out you can't just say i will do what i like for the most part of my life and when death occurs like ajmeer i'll suddenly start remembering it won't work like that at all what's more uh the famous example um, which is often told in ispan circles by the speaker himself sureshwar das he is a proper disciple he must be now in his late 70s sometime in his 50s he joined in his 20s he was one of those early proper disciples an american married a grown up daughter and so on but practicing very carefully and very nicely always living in devotee communities in some situation he they were bathing on the in the sea the ocean beach i don't know where it was but uh, he started to drown 
and uh, he started to drown and uh, what happened was something he was a good swimmer but the current was too strong and i think one side of him was saying what you mean this is going to be my end i am going to wash up on the shore like some miserable cheap tourist you know who doesn't know better and drinks or drugs and then goes and drowns is that my fate one side of him the other side and he said this is what was so alarming instead of thinking about the lord in case really this way his last moments what actually came to his mind was an advertisement jingle because the water and the waves brought up in his mind some very captivating advertisement which he had seen several times at some stage in his life like for those of us like my generation we grew up in the 70s as teenagers there was this lyril karen lunel was a famous now she is a old plump woman but karen lunel was this slim uh, um uh, attractive not particularly beautiful model and the lyril uh, fresh green color soap it was a, a lintas was the advertising agency i know because my dad's brother was working for them it was mm-hmm. a huge hit when we went into movies movie screen uh, you know this lyril uh, ad there's a waterfall and this bikini clad uh, karen lunel would come and just bathe under the and then just vanish and there was some la 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 kind of so that jingle even today sometimes i look it up to hear it because they very cleverly captured an image of utter freshness and how do you say natural freshness and joy and a sensation of like you know you're free of all your aches and pains and so this is the other very big danger that there is no telling what will pop out of your head because his impressions are lying there and suresh prabhu says of course he survived that to tell the tale and he lived and he is still alive today uh, um, he says we don't know what has sunk in in that memory bank of the brain and what is actually going to come up so it's not going to be easy for any of us to really remember the lord at the time of death whether we have a lot of warning or not so there's only one way around it which actually at the end of this section he says mahamanusmara yudhyacha no matter what you're doing you may be fighting yuddham yudhya as in arjuna's case but just remember me and do it remember me and be a computer scientist remember me and be a teacher remember me and go shopping remember so th- because death can occur at any time that's that's the the, the and the the, uh, the interesting thing is actually like uh, when krishna says that remember me when when you are doing this thing actually yeah. it's not um, that remembrance is actually kind of a by product of the practice that you do like if you are constantly like like in the like if you have a practice that you do in the morning or the night where you're chanting hari krishna or you're doing something like that then automatically what will happen is that like i mean you know when when you and with that devotional sort of spirit or whatever when you are doing any of your activity automatically like at various instances throughout your um throughout your like activities you will remember krishna like there's no yeah, yeah. there's no there's no way that you can't because if you put that much of your mind and uh, interest into it then naturally like when you're doing something it will come without you even realizing it without any artificial like, like yeah. every day if you think if you make a if you make the effort to like okay morning i'm going to chant hari krishna and then night i'm going to chant hari krishna there's definitely like when you're doing some activity that will also come into the activity that that because you're doing it every day that 
thought will come into whatever activity you're doing. So then you don't have to like take so much effort though. You just have to make the effort to practice. Just chant like Hare Krishna in the morning and that's it. And then in, throughout the day you just remember. And then you can live your life that way. Like, you don't have to worry too much about uh, Yeah, and what you are saying is the importance of sadhana or spiritual practice. Sadhana, sadhana. Sadhana, however limited it may be, it may not take up many hours, but to do that so regularly, you are very right, that the sadhana is meant to remember Krishna. So if the sadhana is in place and you are doing it unfailingly, like you say, you have a different kind of work schedule now because you have a new job and you are forced to adjust, but you still, before you start the podcast, you make sure that you do your basic practices, you try to complete. So, that's very crucial, really, because it's the sadhana that helps us to remember the Lord. And as you said, if the sadhana is getting done every day, half an hour, one or two hours, whatever, then the other things that we do also, that same sadhana time remembrance of the Lord can infiltrate or intrude into the other things that we are doing and help us to remember the Lord. That's one hundred. Yeah. I feel like, you know, Many times, like I'll be in like a situation, uh, like a let's say a tough situation or something like that, and I'll be like, at, you know, whether it's at work or something like that, and then I'll be just sitting there, like, okay, and then suddenly I'll just, you know, the the, the thought of Krishna will just come from nowhere, uh-huh. and then the mind the mind gets a bit relaxed and it becomes calm, and then I'll be like, okay, I just need to take two minutes to just meditate for like two minutes, and then I meditate for two minutes, and then mind becomes at ease like mm-hmm. i'm able like i'm not i'm not mastered this yet but i would say i'm beginning to maybe realize something where like i'm able to like take a negative experience and then understand that it's different like this is like you know i that you know that this is very temporary and it, it needs to be detached from my mind and put to uh-huh. the side uh-huh. so like if i'm going through a negative experience i'll immediately do some kind of meditation and then for that moment, I can like detach that negative experience, put it on the side, think of Krishna for some time. And then the minute I stop doing it, when I stop the meditation, that that the thing is like the negative feeling is almost detached. Like it's uh-huh. not there anymore. So I'm not like, I'm not very, I'm not, it doesn't come naturally. But I do this, like I, I, I've been doing this a lot recently where every time I have a negative experience, I do this. And it's very helpful if you're able to like detach yourself from all the negative experiences and just focus on what it is. Does that help you to control anger or like outburst, reaction, especially in workplaces or things don't go our way? Yeah, Yeah, like all the like negative feelings like anger, um, whatever the anger, lust, envy, jealousy. Yeah, yeah. All these feelings would happen the minute I feel like it's coming. I'll just be like, okay, I need to do some, I need to do at least two minutes of meditation now. Because I'll do a two minute meditation and then for a minute I can like just, for that minute I can kind of separate that negative feeling from, I can separate the negative feeling because I'm thinking of Krishna in that time. So the minute I'm thinking of Krishna, what happens? What happens is that the ne- I'm not thinking about the negative feeling now. Mm. I'm it, like, you're, it's almost like you're in this eye of the storm and then suddenly like for a, for a brief moment like, you know, when everything is chaotic, for a brief moment, there's like silence, everything is fine. Right, and right. And then, okay. so then in that moment, you can, it, there's some clarity, like, you realize, oh, everything is fine now. And so, when you're back in the storm, you're not so, 
disturbed by it. Like you don't have, you don't so worried about. It. So you're really so, saying uh, you're able to step back from that situation. Yeah, and yeah. not just step back. You are using another powerful tool like remembering Krishna to drown out whatever were uh, the irritating factors a little while earlier. And then when yeah. you come back to that situation, it, it, there is clarity. Is that what you're just yeah. saying? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's great. But the two, the tips that I got from my Shiksha Guru, the late Purnachandra Swami, was when you're faced with a problem. Of course, I don't mean a problem where, like in a workplace, where you may get provoked. very easily for that your method is the best <clears throat> excuse me to step back and to think about the lord and then to return with clarity in my case what he said was if there's a major problem somebody angry maybe a relative maybe you know we don't know what to make of it he would say uh, just sit down and break up the problem and analyze the different elements of the problem you know then he would say sift and see which are the more important issues elements in the problem and which are, and that way start tackling some can be tackled by this one person the other bit maybe you alone have to tackle so he also taught in one need to not be overwhelmed by the problem to basically sit and break it apart like children take apart a toy uh, they break it apart and see what are the most important elements so uh, this Uh, about death again like we discussed about the case of sureshwar prabhu who says having practiced for many years always there for mangalarti in a temple always doing washila prabhat asim to didn't really guarantee when he was suddenly found found himself drowning in the ocean the he says it was a good wake up call for him and like a, a, a yeah a wake up call it shook him up and he then decided to find a service uh in some way to turn his feelings for krishna and for prabhupad more so he hit upon this course that he developed um ah it was called shila prabhupad founder acharya and in to uh, to increase and now he travels around right now his health is not good but otherwise he was based in hawaii he is an american and then other parts of america north america so he uh, started he developed this course got the backing of his constabras to go to the, he even came to trivandrum to teach this course to create awareness amongst devotees about the role of shila prabhupad as the founder of the movement because what can happen is when a movement grows there are many many new sanyasis there are many many new centers new people who come of course they read prabhupad's books but they are focusing more on the sanyasi or the guru desi in front of them there is a great danger of relegating prabhupad the founder of all this and his struggles and the remarkable kind of challenges he faced in old age to set it up is very easy to relegate so this is his way of paying back and of suresh prabhu's uh, dasas and he's of increasing his own uh, and uh, let's say decreasing the risk of forgetting krishna at the time of death so different people tackle it differently there was another around the time i came to iskon this is 2001 to there was a famous prabhupada disciple who did a lot and was one of the rare people who had the courage to speak out again up speak up in prabhupada's presence he would flatly refuse to do certain things he would refuse to give up a certain service and move so prabhupada would have to trick him into it in an affectionate way you know for example uh prabhu he was uh, this tamalakrishna maharaj tamalakrishna goswami was his name american again highly educated 
long faced with the very was supposed to be a tough task master so those who worked under him often say he was just too tough my my shiksha guru purnachandra swami also got trained by him initially so what prabhupad could do with the samal krishna goswami and i'm coming to the circumstances in which samal krishna goswami himself died that's why i'm i'm telling you this story uh, prabhupad he he did a very successful book distribution program in america where some five six uh, members of his con would get into a book van and just drive to a town park their van uh, do some cooking there tamal uh, krishna goswami would go and give a lecture in the local those days it was all very easy nobody you didn't have to get anyone's permission sell a lot of books put whole sets of the bhagavatam into the libraries and the schools and the colleges and what not move on to the next so it became a huge success and he was uh, more and more people when he would go into a particular iskon temple and say you um, would be asked to give the lecture and he became so daring he would steal steal away temple inmates who you know because they got so inspired about the adventurousness and the thrill of the success of this program they would just quit their temple and say we are also coming in the van so it it became you can say conflict point but in a very interesting and dynamic and transcendental way because temple president started complaining to prabhupad this particular uh, uh, devotee disciple of yours comes to our temple it's true he is doing great things he just takes away people whom you know we need to run our temple like that so finally prabhupada realized either out of his wisdom that tamal uh, krishna goswami might become proud uh, or might become too attached to the success that he was getting so he made a plan to move him and to become gbc of india nobody wanted to be a gbc gbc is governing body commission member of india because india was such a problematic area nobody was responding to the preaching nobody wanted to give their children for this movement and so on and he knew and prabhupada knew very well that tamal krishna goswami is not going to agree so what he did was he called tamal krishna maharaj and said he kind of created a kind of casual mood and said uh, something to the effect of I think you know it is in your own for your own purification you should get married. So I think Tamal Krishna Maharaj outright refused and said I have never asked you for any such I have no interest and not this went on for some time and once he had finished spending all his his indignation and Tamal Krishna Maharaj and his opposition to it he said so then at least you should go to India and be governing body commission member. and tamal krishna maharaj straight away fell into that trap because he had already lost all the steam to again oppose and challenge prabhupad so prabhupad would sometimes do these kind of things and tamal krishna maharaj came and became governing body and he member and he developed mayapur in a big way and so on now the circumstances in which he died he was only in his late 50s no maybe he was little older than that around the time i joined and he was all set to be the first you can say the vice chancellor or the principal of the first university mayapur was going to have he was the obvious choice because in between he took leave from iskon and wrote the thesis on chaitanya mahaprabhu and how he is viewed and so on some such gaudiya vaishnava topic there also he was a path breaker because normally his consciousness don't bother to get into regular academics and get a, a, a thesis a phd or anything awarded but he 
broke all those rules and did it it was controversial his disciples felt neglected felt they weren't getting his time that's different anyway so he was the obvious choice but krishna obviously willed very differently because he was traveling to the airport early morning now this is this is the key bit most of these people who are practicing seriously or even at our ordinary level we try when we are going on long journeys we try as much as possible here and there to make some contact with devotees you know just uh, for our safety we do not know in what circumstances we are going to find ourselves so maharaj could not naturally the booked a car for him there was a driver who could have gone alone he insisted that one of his disciples and that is a grihastha a married man and his wife travel with him and not sure that they were actually going to on a flight also he was going to fly to delhi and then somewhere the car went and hit a tree and he died on the spot he this is krishna's plan the car it was foggy winter in bengal and uh, early morning flight the driver either was too tired or whatever it was a ordinary indian taxi car it hit the tree and he took a hit on the forehead and he died on the spot i think his disciples very much survived but the point is till the moment that happened they were busy talking some krishna conscious plan may not specifically have been bhagavad gita or bhagavatam but some new project something new for the pleasure of shila prabhupad so these kind of practical tips you know people try if they are going on a journey with a post somewhere and someone may come to the railway station or bring you a packet of food what they call prasadam something some connection so it keeps a consciousness safe from the kind of maya world we live in but there is so much sinfulness and you know offense and so on this is tamalakrishna maharaj's death because we really don't know how things are planned for anyone on the contrary last time i was telling you about a lady who died young and saw tulasi at the end you know if you google you will see her name was rudrani r u d r a n i and she ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. she yeah? Um, she i think she worshiped tulasi yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. she yeah, very seriously yeah, yeah. took to tulasi worship and in that cold climate uh, protected and so on but she was cursed by a kind of uh, chronic or juvenile arthritis from a young age slim lady Now, when she came for treatment along with a whole lot of other iskon devotees to Kerala, she met and married a member of the Kotakkal warrior family. He became an iskon devotee. He also got initiated. He went back to Canada with her. As uh, his actual karmi name was uh, his legal name was Sukumaran Sukumaran warrior or something. Anyway, so she uh, lot tolerated a lot of pain in her body, and eventually it became clear that it was going to take her life. And I think while still in her forties, she passed away. But she is the one who, at the end, husband was by her side, other devotees were by their side, where they were propping her up and trying to uh, soothe her pain and everything. And suddenly she just sat up and said, "Tulsi, Tulsi Rani has come for me. I have to go," and just died like that. Mm. So it's. Uh, all kinds of extraordinary arrangements are made by the lord and we don't know unless we ourselves die what is in store for us but from our side to make the whole uh, the whole experience as rewarding eternally rewarding and as thrilling if you like to see that also as something that brings us closer to god and to remove the fear that stays in our mind 
the thing to do like you said is to ma manusmara yudhyacha that is to remember krishna in whatever you do so that you remember him right through the day or most of the time and certainly when death comes in old age or whenever it comes that you definitely remember him so in uh, verse 3 krishna has begun to answer his uh, questions uh, arjuna's questions and just one key word here there's a word the, the third verse if you see the sanskrit it says aksharam brahma paramam akshara the first word okay yeah. just remember akshara akshara means something that is not it is not possible to destroy at all shara indestructible. Uh, indestructible kshara means something that has a, a tendency to get destroyed harmed broken injured so clearly akshara is referring to spiritual and kshara is referring to material so therefore uh, here the supreme personality of god is answering the in- indestructible transcendental living entity is called brahman and his eternal nature that means spiritual nature is called adhyatma the self there's a difference here because ordinary nature that we have material nature is swabhav and it can change for example in uh, a, someone who may have the nature of a brahman that is more inclined towards teaching study if he wastes his opportunities does not the sinful activities in the next birth that nature may change and he may get the nature and circumstances of a menial slave or like a shudra existence the reverse can also happen so that material nature that we have in each body is something that can be changed even within one lifetime somebody who is living really at the bottom rung of society doing only misguided sinful things comes under good advice and good uh, hears these classes and takes up a good practice can get catapulted or elevated over some years of practice into a clean brahmanical lifestyle regulated interested in studying learning sharing you know is so different from the so that is something that changes that's a material nature that swabhav but adhyatma is not like that adhyatma means that eternal spiritual nature that we come to know once we go back and our what's called swarup little high topics to discuss here but a swarup means when as a person gets really gets to the goal is revealed to him what his swarup or his eternal nature is in the spiritual world what is his service what is his relationship with the lord is he one of the cowards is he going to be in a parental affectionate mood is he one of the conjugal uh spouses of the lord so that is uh, adhyatma at this stage krishna is just giving answers to arjuna here brahman is indestructible and in the purport brahman is indestructible and eternally existing and his constitution is not changed at any time but then beyond brahman there is para brahman like your interaction with your friend brahman refers to the living entity and the para brahman refers to the lord supreme lord both are spiritual but of course there's a huge difference the constitutional position of the living entity is different from the position he takes in the material world a material consciousness is nature is to try to be the to lord it over to be the lord of matter to exploit those who are weaker than him but in spiritual consciousness his position is to serve the supreme he takes a lower position when the living entity is in material consciousness he has to take on various bodies this is called karma or very creation by the force of material consciousness okay now we are not going to go into 
the whole long purpose but just remember uh, there is a tricky paragraph here which needs a little bit of explanation uh okay before you read i am meaning that small paragraph which starts with the chandogya upanishad mm. okay before you read that read from somewhere uh where you can see that those numerals 84 lakh yeah. species you can see just start from that beginning of that sentence therefore he is Okay. No, in uh, in material yeah, in, nature uh, okay. in material nature he may take a body from any of the 8 lakh uh, sorry 84 lakh ha yeah. ah, 84 lakh or 84 84 lakh species of life but in spiritual nature he has only one body in material nature he is manifested sometimes as a man demigod animal beast bird etc according to his karma to attain material heavenly planets and enjoy their facilities he sometimes performs sacrifice yeah uh, but when his uh, merit is exhausted he returns to earth again in the form of a man this process is called karma okay so uh, now the next one is because remember arjuna asked a question uh, who is the lord of sacrifice i think the the, the sanskrit term was adi yagya who is the root or the lord of all adi yagya lord of all sacrifices and of course it is the supreme lord himself but sacrifice does not mean just uh, of course at one level it means some physical action like there is a fire there is a sacrificial fire and you put things that is a sacrifice you throw bananas you throw ghee into it if people keep uh, the priest the purohit keeps pouring ghee that's at one level it's true but sacrifice is also a concept it means where you technically yagya means something that basically pleases the lord now to do in order to do something that pleases the lord invariably you are going to give up something that pleases yourself because in a conditioned state the two are completely opposite or contradictory we like to take it easy the lord is saying we have to be regulated and chant something so, so many uh, in so like that is why yagya really means to please the lord for the pressure pleasure of the lord so and therefore he is adi adi yagya supreme lord but to extend the meaning of the sacrifice you see here if you read the chandogya upanishad yeah yeah the chandogya upanishad describes the vedic sacrificial process on the sacrificial altar five kinds of offerings are made into the five kinds of fire the five kinds of fire are conceived of as the heavenly planets clouds the earth man and woman and the five kinds of sacrificial offering offering the faith the enjoyer enjoyer on the moon rain rain grains and seeds okay now here if you just correlate each of these someone who wants to go to the heavenly planets what does he have to do he has to invest some faith and some practice to basically go to the heavenly planets to desire and to do different sacrifices uh, to be able to go there so that is also type of sacrifice what what is the sacrificial offering in this case it is faith what faith basically some faith that it is great to go to the heavenly planets is a very prestigious position he can enjoy endlessly he can drink somaras and live for 120 or i don't know how many years now next it says um you have to we have to correlate another kind of it says the, the clouds and the last sentence here says the enjoyer on the moon i'm not exactly sure what that means i can't make a connection uh, the next earth, it, uh, okay. 
okay i this this i i i have to say that i have not been able to figure out the connection but the earth and rain like when it rains uh the earth what does it throw, show up earth produces so much grain and so on so the rain is something that comes down from the top and is poured into the sacrificial altar of the earth and it gives certain results man and woman rain and grain all right because then the earth produces grains what do you do with the grain people eat the grain and develop their bodies and what is the body for if it is for the service of the lord eating itself becomes a kind of sacrifice to please the lord especially if you come to a platform or circumstances where we are able to eat food that has been first sanctified by being offered to the lord so or so therefore or at least with consciousness that all this is the bounty of the lord he is giving the rain he is giving the earth and the seeds and therefore there is so much variety in what we can eat so there again the grains are also seen as a sacrifice was a put into our body if you see the body as a sacrificial fire we put the grains in body becomes healthy gets energy can do services for the lord or can meditate on the lord and semen here and the man and woman if you see uh, semen as a sacrificial offering or the uh, the process of um of uh, uh, producing a child uh, with the intention like we described last time Uh, uh, in an earlier class with the intention of producing a child that is in good consciousness and it is going to serve the lord then even putting the semen inside the woman's body to bring about this reproduction that can also be done as a yagya or in the uh, mentality of consciousness or to please the lord so really the upanishads and the vedic scriptures tell us this element of sacrifice is the key to spiritual life and normally in the modern generation if you say sacrifice they'll pull a long face because it's an ugly word the modern the more modern slogan is all about you like it you do it there where is the question of sacrifice sacrifice often means that even if you like something you don't do it in uh, there's this in the wisdom of sages i listen to the wisdom of sages podcast no? so they uh-huh. say the same thing what you said like is it sacrifice in this uh, in this world like right now it's a very it's kind of a Dirt. It's it's used as a very dirty word, like you know, that's right, unpopular. But in in like when they are reading the Bhagavatam, whenever that word comes, instead of sacrifice, they just say ceremony. Uh-huh. And they're uh-huh. like when they're talking about the Bhagavatam, like uh, they just say something like ceremony or something like that, and okay. then they just replace the word sacrifice with the word ceremony. So okay. if there's something about a sacrificial process, they say uh, a ceremonial. ceremonial process or if there is a sacrificial ceremony that happened in uh, this so because a lot of the the olden the olden like sort of before the kali yuga you could people had the ability to perform sacrifices because they had the the you know they had the ability the, the environment was 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 like was suited for that time for them to be able like some Because in the Bhagavad Gita, actually, like there's mentions of horse sacrifice and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, nobody's gonna, nobody can do a horse sacrifice because it's, nobody's in the mode of, no, the world is not in that, in not in that, in that spirit of goodness where that, that kind of a sacrifice you offer, you will get something bad. It's like you do something that is, it, there's no different thing than you killing another animal, basically. Okay. In that time, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just remember, horse sacrifice doesn't mean you kill the horse. The Ashwamedha uh, yagya, Ashwamedha uh. yagya was undertaken by kings. They would basically like a challenge to other kings 
let a horse wander set out very ceremonially the horse will go where it pleases mind you there is no no man going along with the horse someone keeps an eye at some distance or if the horse supposing sets off from you let it loose in oh, okay so wherever wherever it goes that much distance of land that king will take that's absolutely, what uh, you found that absolutely absolutely the the owner okay. of that next kingdom has to surrender it's understood surrender or else they have to offer a fight and get defeated so uh, that was the ashwamedha yagya but you are right to point this out the sacrifice uh, you know even has all these horrible connotations goats being slaughtered and uh, so there is also the, that there is also that thing of uh, a, a, a widow a woman sati, jumping sati. into the fire sati that 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 also is there which is like not obviously not a good thing but then like when you listen to like you know the story of uh, daksha and when Like Sadi jumps into the fire, you know, for Shiva, like because he insulted Shiva. Voluntarily, um, yeah. For voluntarily, now in this age, like no woman is going to actually do something like that for her husband. Like I definitely not in this age. No, no woman is going to do something like that. Like it's not going to happen. And I agree. Uh, no. Yeah, 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 and and no woman should actually do that. But like it's what when it's written like that, you're like. It's a little weird, like when you when you see that, it's a little bit like, okay, what is like, what is what does that mean exactly? And then, like you're like, who actually, you know? But then at the same time, they're describing a world where the entire world is so pure, and like it's like you're describing a a time before Kali Yuga, maybe it's like Satya Yuga or something like that. At that stage, the beginning parts or Theta Yuga, sometime then. when they describing a time or you know beginning of creation or whatever that time was that they described in you know the whole everything was so pure it was so that goodness that you know doing something bad was so rare like that if you did so the, there was such a high standard when it came to like how you led your life you know how whether it be righteousness in the that that level of standard that they describing in that part is not there right now now okay. people are all into like you know all kinds of horrible things so now in today's world if somebody does something good people are like wow this person did something good in those times like doing something good is a very normal thing if you did something bad you were like oh you did something bad now it's like doing something bad is like almost very normal like people do bad things all the time correct when, correct when somebody does something good it's like a very it's a surprise like oh this person did this Wow, that's so amazing! It's like the opposite, basically. Absolutely, yeah. Can you hear what I'm saying? Am I audible? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. All right. No, because uh, this thing about the Daksha Yagya, sorry, about Sadi uh, throwing herself in. What we have to understand is, and I can try and give a example closer to us in time because it involved two of my friends to try and for us to capture. Our defective, uh, like you correctly said, everything is the opposite of what it should be now. So Sati uh, throwing herself into the fire, it is uh, like out of such burning love and devotion for her spouse. Okay, that's rare. Firstly, I mean nowadays, uh, it's very rare to find a spouse, a man or woman who's worth dying for, because we are all full of faults and ignorance and uh, sham. You know, Actually, now most of the marriages now are mostly like a, it's a mostly like a business kind of uh, it's a mostly a business transaction that people get into like they get into marriage because they know this person has money so then they get married to this person and then after that like 
you know you know that you know you're not getting you're not like nowadays like to be honest like nobody's getting married to the other person because this person is like a nice person i mean that is there but that's like people so are getting married because person some yeah they kind of a good family they got good money and that's the reason why they're marrying this person and like they get into all kinds of problems later on because they don't realize that what is more important is to figure out whether this person is a nice person like a a woman would never marry a man now if he came from a poor family even if he was a nice person and a man would never marry a woman if she also didn't come from a, a good family and she didn't have some money and she didn't have this so most people are like getting married for these reasons they are not getting married for 100% any uh, other reason that they love the person or anything so where is the question but just to give you some a small dot you can say of this uh, what sati did by throwing herself into the uh, the fire so the just to give you that sentiment uh there, were, there there was a couple around the time i joined iscon they were from bombay but originally kannadiga or something <coughs> he was actually in the indian um excise department or account service i'm not sure his wife was a lawyer and uh, she looked up very much you know like a small small child she wasn't uh, too much into any normal womanly like no tricks or anything anyway they were close to each other he was very responsible he was uh, entrusted with the important position in the vrindavan iskon temple by his guru radhanath swami mm, um, oh. he, uh, he had when he had come to mayapur to do the course that i was doing he must have been in his late 30s at that time that's right and his wife also they didn't have children and he brought his elderly parents because they were his responsibility and he set them in a and i remember there was a feast and there was a very nice one afternoon i'll always remember now unfortunately few years later maybe when he was only in his early 40s still doing what his guru radhana swami had told him to do in the vrindavan temple balancing out or taking leave from his government position and job and he dropped dead he was sent to delhi uh to for in some legal case and he was walking on the road in delhi and he just dropped dead and uh, it was a terrible test for the wife i met her later and she he, he, it immediately of course apart from the immediate horror of it because a man who went in the morning from vrindavan to delhi and said i'll be back in the evening in the evening three policemen came and asked the wife are you the wife of so and so we have brought his body you know nothing can be worse there are no children there were no other elders there i don't know this young girl i am trying to get her name his name was shama krishna that was the diksha name but i'm trying to remember her name uh, anyway i don't know whether she fainted or what happened uh, they because he had been uh, doing so much service and doing so much sacrifice uh, as called by his guru they took his body three times around the altar inside the temple that is something that's done in iskon normally a dead body is considered impure you know you you don't allow it a house is contaminated because a dead body has gone out of the house but in iskon because it's a body of a vaishnava who has given his life serving or not life it is brought uh, for circumambulating the temple itself or in this case inside the temple around the altar because there is a little alleyway around which you can walk past the iskon altar you know it is part of the pradakshina anyway different things happened she was in straight shell shock he was cremated all of his con i came to know few days later 
I met her one year later and she was half herself and we all knew we I am not getting the name uh, Sundari Priya Sundari Priya was her name he was Shama Krishna she was Sundari Priya and we said how is she going to stay alive I mean it was not a great romance or anything he hardly had any time because he was so busy but she was utterly devoted and dependent on him and some of us used to even scold her and say what is this you are like a uh, you have to grow up and you have to understand he has so much burden on his one day you will be a mother you have to grow up a little and all but that didn't make any sense to her and she was supposed mind you a lawyer in uh, the court in uh, bombay so i met her two one year later and she suddenly came she had cut her hair short she came and stood in front of me and i was staring at her and she says um, i sukhya do you remember me i am shama krishna's wife so suddenly i jumped up it was in the temple hall and i said how are you she talked very calmly she told me everything and she says sukhya maximum 2 years i will stay alive after he dies and we said no you mustn't talk like that now meanwhile she had herself told me her guru radhana swami sensing her plight broke all the rules of normal brahmachari rules inside the chaupati temple gave her a room there okay put her inside the temple because he knew she is going to go to pieces and in some way the guru felt very responsible for maybe having overloaded shamakrishna with the legal work and therefore lack of sleep and lack of regular food which may have brought on the heart attack we don't know but i think he did feel something like that he also knew the caliber of this wife that she is not going to survive if she is just asked to stay with her in-laws or stay just as a lawyer with her own parents so he broke all regular rules it is something very unusual i put her in a room of course there are three four rooms only in the iskon chaupati temple which serve as a guest room for certain guests who come there is no proper guest house there the guest house is in the juhu temple that's different because chaupati there's no space in a small area they have done wonderful things they can't expand there is no space there anyway this girl had a and all the brahmacharis were told any time of the day night she needs anything they should help her and they should immediately call radhana swami directly wherever he may be and the girl also had her few years later uh, a student came to me called charu kapoor from delhi side and she was again a disciple of radhana swami and i casually asked uh, how is sundari priya now she says you didn't know she died so i said how do you mean you mean she committed suicide no no and i said then what she had cancer no no she just died i said what do you mean how can someone young who is barely the man was 40 plus she was in her 30s how can somebody just die you mean she fasted refused which is no she just wasted away in separation and she died now all of us feared this would happen you know nowadays in today's day and age nobody dies like that out of love and devotion to a spouse who has gone you know you hear all these cinema filmy versions great love there was a musician who died in a road accident the baby who was born after 20 years of birth also died it was a malayali or tamil but they all survive nobody dies like that you know but this is a classic case we all suspected this exactly what would happen to her and the guru clearly tried it is not as if he was handsome it is not as if she was a great beauty it is not as if she was enamored of him because he was there not at all he had some snub blunt features fairish this kannada kind of balding already 
but very decent with my mother who was there at that time and i was doing the course so this i'm just trying to tell you it was like a little bit of that wasting away out of love i think something like this is what we are meant to understand that ideally if the man is so such a gem and the wife just can't bear the separation she throws herself in the fire and the grief is so much greater than the burning sensation of the fire this is what we are supposed to take away from it like you correctly said it is unsupportable now unsupportable this kind of stuff you can't in any way justify in today's world the climate is wrong the people are not made of that substance and to just put unwilling women through that horror it's horrible it is what happens in certain parts of india and as far as animals are yeah go on because like uh, they these things happen uh, still happening across india in many places people are like uh, women are like uh, especially suppressed, in northern india suppressed, yeah yeah especially in northern india the people like uh, women who are in villages um are like uh, you know the husband dies and the woman has to like jump on the funeral pyre and uh, she also has to, like commit suicide like she has to basically commit suicide and, and it's a horrible thing i mean horrible horrible about, like, because, horrible absolutely uh, it's like see even if you you know uh, even if you think about um a time when even if you think about like you know even in this uh, the story of daksha and that even in that time also um you know even if the world was all uh, good you know the standard of the goodness was so high that you had to like you know that it was so like you know you had to commit such a act to showcase how bad like how you know what the standard was and all that even then i don't think it's uh, it's right thing to do i personally i don't think it's a good they don't think it's a they don't i mean i don't necessarily like but I, i can understand but i don't necessarily like uh, because i don't think any i don't think any woman should or any person should actually like sacrifice in any kind of for the past of a life and uh, other thing is in in when we're talking about scripture they were so clearly schooled in the understanding that there is going to be reincarnation another life another life so it is like pulshekar alwar saying let me die now by today's standards we will think he is mad he is in good health why is he talking about wanting to die now because uh, our generation or our times modern times if you like secular times the, we don't really it's so uh it is like greek and latin to accept that there is many lifetimes there is rebirth you know one life okay it got cut short at the age of 25 or 22 or whatever never mind the person has gone they will start again and complete the, this logic it, it, it nobody buys it that is why anything connected with death and a short life or uh, even death in a long at the end of a long life is also difficult for people to accept because they think there is nothing beyond this so just hang on and drag on as long as possible as far as animal sacrifices are concerned i've been told repeatedly i haven't been to nepal that in the kamakshi temple i, I am not sure i hope i've got it right there is a, even today a system of goat slaughter and my friend uh, uh, who went from here some devotees would be to nep is it nepal or is it i think it is nepal or assam is it no not assam 
Gauhati. Gauhati is Assam. 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 I know, but where is the Kamakshi? Kamakshi Temple is in Assam. It's not in Nepal. It's in Assam, I think. Gauhati. Okay. Then I, you have to check it up. But that. Kamakshi. Yeah. That they have this horrible, bloody scene where as you are praying, there is blood and slaughter everywhere. Kamakshi Temple, yeah. Not Kanchi Kamakshi. Kamokhya Temple. Uh, Ka- no, no. Kamakshi Amman, this is South India, but Kamokhya is the Bengali Assam. Kamokhya, Kamakshi. Just type Assam. Komokya. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. They pronounce the ah, Bengali. Okay. Kamakya. This is, this is the thing. Okay. Kamakya Nilachalai Hills. Oh, where is that? Okay, I suppose this is one. I'm not sure. I'll just double check after the class. But that there is this horrible, uh, what is it, a Shiva temple? No, it can't be a Shiva temple. It has to be to this Kali form, Devi Kali form. There is this horrible goat slaughtering that goes on. And even while you're praying, you see on the slide, the entry on the side, the entrails of the goat and the blood and the uh, all this rubbish. So it's a very disturbing, you can say, um, it's something that stayed on from the past. But one thing I was very pleased to find, 20 years ago when my brother passed away and as per his wishes, we went to Rameshwaram. And uh, this thing, what you said, this is the uh, yeah, yeah. slightly gruesome oh, picture of... Uh, yeah, gruesome, that's uh, right, that's right, all the blood and stuff, correct, correct. Yeah. Okay, that's okay, <laughs> that's right. Okay, and my friend who went there, who is a ISKCON devotee, was saying, how can we even concentrate and pray when all this blood and gore is there? It's so disturbing. But what I saw, how either people adapt or Acharyas change the system. And Madhava Acharya made a big change and put an end to animal sacrifices. And instead what they do, it's quite nice how they do it. Like I told you, because my brother was initiated in the Madhva line, his guru was a Madhva follower. Therefore, he requested when he was dying that he wants the last rites to be done uh, in Rameshwara, but by the Madhva group there. So, my mother and I, we had gone there. And what I found was, there was a fire and they made with Atta, Maida or Atta, dough. They made shapes of little goats and uh, a bull and cow and not cow, but horse or whatever. Uh, they really pinched the ears and we were asking what they, this is, this is like a um, virtual sacrifice, not virtual meaning, yeah, it is virtually like a sacrifice because they would take these little atta forms and say some mantras and throw them into the fire. So this is a very, very neat and clean up- upgradation of a horrible custom which at one time might have had originally the idea behind animal sacrifice was that if it's done by a thoroughly pure priest who perfectly knows how to say the mantras that creature immediately gets a human birth that was the whole idea that was the whole the logic behind not as it's done today by rapacious greedy money greedy priests you know where just a old custom which is horrible and cruel carries on and there is no guarantee that the poor creatures, apart from suffering a lot when they are slaughtered, actually get another uh, human birth or whatever birth. 
but madhavacharya introduced this change and he kind of upgraded at some stage and so now in their system they have to stick to what the vedas say which is the sacrifice as part of that particular puja what they do is they make these animal figurines with atta quickly there itself and they um, sprinkle holy water and sanctify and then throw it into the fire so it just gets baked and destroyed so there are different ways in sampradayas changes are made according to time place and circumstance to upgrade and so that it's not just a dead empty hollow ritual that is left which puts off people who are seeking for some genuine faith hmm okay okay so that's good but uh, hopefully that changes uh, like uh, anywhere like um, wherever wherever the sacrifices happen across india like hopefully like uh they stop doing that and they focus on uh, like uh, the focus on krishna like they make krishna the main thing in the society you saw a simple thing like stopping what is that in karnataka bull bull baiting bull fighting kakkada uh, bull fighting yeah is there in in kerala also i think is there like in kerala yeah is there in kerala like uh, i know kerala it's like i mean it's the bull racing you know like uh in 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 chennai in tamil nadu it's uh, you know what they call the delicate ah catchy name that's right delicate yeah but is it yeah. just bull racing i think is it just oh, why in spain there is bull fighting i mean yeah, yeah. no that similar thing uh, that in tamil nadu in, in karnataka i don't know they have the same thing but in i know that there is this thing in karnataka and kerala where they have this thing like uh bull racing thing where like uh, you know they'll be like you know uh play mud like, no. yeah they'll be like two like i don't know how many but there'll be like a bunch of bulls behind the bull there'll be like a slate so there'll be a guy there'll be a person sitting on the slate behind the bull and the bull will just go and then like uh, like whoever is like whichever bull is faster that person will it's like horse racing you know like that so why is it considered so, cruel why is it then considered cruel i think i think i think the other, i think i think they i think they talking about jallikattu in tamil nadu jallikattu that jallikattu jallikattu is the same thing as standard spain uh, bull thing it's the same oh, thing oh, oh. so all these people what they do is like they'll be like there'll be one bull and everybody's trying to catch that one bull so so it's like the bull is like you know taunted, it's uh, yeah taunted, taunted. Yeah, they'll they'll try to catch it back they'll try to sting and the bull is trying to just be free and they're trying to catch it so in tamil nadu this happens so uh, they, and then there's a controversy like people are saying like you know why why they doing this thing you know why are they harming the bull and why are they doing all this thing such a cruel thing and there's a movie there's a malayalam movie also made uh-huh. on that It's I called Delhi Cutter. There's a, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a supposedly very good movie. Like it's made on this idea, like you know, of this village group of people in somewhere in Kerala where there's wild bull that's just causing a rampage and everybody's just scared. Uh-huh. So there is a there's a movie. It's called Delhi Cutter. It's a Malayalam movie. Also. I must look it up. I wasn't aware. I guess every culture and every country has its cross to bear. Like in England, the upper upper class, the aristocrats, they go. I think it's fox hunting. I'm not sure. They all get into. Everywhere, all... 
like uh, there's like I think in some countries they have this in I don't know in, in Southeast Asian countries and all that or uh, South American countries they have this thing called like, you know they call it cock fighting or chicken fighting. Ah, uh, they'll they'll be like these chickens will be like in this you know they'll be like they'll 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 do gambling bets and all that. Like, there will be two chickens who fight. So cock people fight. will put money. We'll put money on which cock or which chicken would win, and like that. So there's all kinds of horrible things going on in the world. <laughs> Correct, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, we barely this today's class because it's, we've been going on for two hours now. It's six o'clock, so uh, we should call. We should end now. We barely got up to verse four or verse five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really happens whenever we are discussing chapters. <laughs> All right. So verse five, we will uh, do it in the next class. We'll start from about verse. Yeah, sure. Yeah, five and six are the crucial verses pertaining yeah. the supreme yeah. and antakali and all that. All right. So yeah, we sure. stop the recording now and we, carry. We, yeah, we stop it. Uh, so I will uh, end the recording. Thank you.